According to an old saying, familiarity breeds contempt. All of us have probably experienced the truth of this saying at some point in our lives, perhaps in a particularly acute way during this year of lockdowns and quarantines. But the saying doesn't apply only to our interpersonal relationships. It can also apply to the words we use. Overfamiliarity with certain prayers can breed, if not contempt, then at least indifference or apathy. Think, for example, of the Lord's Prayer, one of the prayers most frequently recited by the faithful. When was the last time you slowed down and meditated on the meaning of this beautiful prayer? Has the rote repetition of the Our Father dulled us to the riches present in these deceptively simple words the Lord taught his disciples? One early Christian described the Lord's Prayer as the summary of the whole gospel. St. Thomas Aquinas called it the most perfect of prayers. This week we will seek to rediscover its beauty and its power. A person could spend a lifetime meditating on the first two words of the prayer, Our Father. These two little words remind us that the one who created the universe and everything in it is not some impersonal force, but rather a person who loves us and invites us into a deep, intimate relationship with him. Think about that for a second. The Lord of the universe, who calls things out of non-existence into being, has adopted us as his sons and daughters. This God loved us into existence, and then he loved us into his family. But notice that Jesus doesn't teach us to address God as my Father. We're to call him our Father. By calling God our Father, we necessarily admit as brothers and sisters all those who have been baptized into his family, even those who annoy us or who have hurt us. At times, we might not particularly like our brothers and sisters in our natural families, but even so, we're called to love them. So likewise in the Church, our relationship with God requires that we grow in love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. In the Lord's Prayer, we address God not simply as our Father, but as our Father who art in heaven. It would be easy to misunderstand this phrase. We shouldn't think of heaven as some place far away from the earth where God dwells. Rather, the phrase, who art in heaven, points to God's glory and his holiness, his complete transcendence. God is beyond this created universe, not in the sense that he is far away, but rather in the sense that he is totally other. And because of this otherness, he is more present to us than anything or anyone in creation. He is closer to us than our inmost self, as St. Augustine once put it. And this means that he is always ready and available to transform us by his power so that we might become more and more like him. This is what we ask for in the first petition of the prayer. Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed is a bit archaic, one rarely used these days in any other context than in this prayer. To hallow something means to hold it in reverence. God's name is hallowed 
when we live in a manner that reflects our status as his children. Few things are more painful to an earthly father than when his son or daughter brings disgrace on the family name. In this petition, we beg our Heavenly Father to transform us by his grace so that as we become more and more like him, our actions might bring glory to his name. This week, as we continue to consider this beautiful summary of the whole gospel, let us ask the Lord to transform our familiarity with it so that it might breed not contempt or indifference or apathy, but rather holiness in our lives.